we obviously represented them to buy Ellen DeGeneres' house for 47 million bucks about two years ago. Ellen and Portia do incredible work in the properties they sell. The caliber of this house was unreal. And, um, you know, they, Ellen and Portia and Kurt Rappaport, I gotta say, that's their broker. They're just great people all around. And I really thank them for mm -hmm. helping get that transaction done. And that, that house is extraordinary. The funniest part about that whole situation, to me at least, you know, as a kid that comes from like a live growing up in a shack with like cockroaches on my face, now selling one of the sickest houses to transact that year. And during that whole time, like I told you before, I didn't even touch this in the story. My mom's going to prison for life during the whole transaction. So it's like I'm I'm being pulled in all these directions. How do you stay focused and motivated, right? It's because I freaking love what I do so much. So the question is this. How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. What is up, real estate rock stars? I can't tell you how stoked I am to introduce you to this exceptional human being that I've had the privilege of getting to know today. You just wouldn't believe his backstory, okay? And I'm sure that we don't have enough time for you to hear all the details now. Uh, I got to introduce you to my friend, Brian Lane from Beverly Hills. What is up, Brian? What's going on, Courtney? It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I can tell you what, my friend, uh, the story that you shared with me earlier is going to impact a lot of lives and uh, the places that you've come from, the things that you've done, the ways that you've excelled at such a young age. You know, I'm not going to say how old you are. People can look and take a guess for themselves. But my goodness, man, you've done a lot. Ryan, if you don't mind, can you walk our listeners and our viewers through a bit of your story telling us about how you've become such an exceptional agent selling tens of millions of dollars in real estate at such a young age? Yeah, of course. You know, I want to say first and foremost, um, the truth hurts, but the truth helps, I think. So, you know, I don't want to hold anything back here and uh, rather be straightforward than, um, than not. So yeah. I got to give credit where credit's due. First and foremost, there have been individuals through my life that have really helped me excel at getting where I want to be. I've always focused my life on finding from when I was young, finding a mentor who's done exactly what I want to do. Um, they'll help if you can make them like you and make them become fond of you. And hopefully they love you because that's, that's a, a, a care or adoration that, you know, it, it breaks barriers, goes far beyond liking you, right? Um, finding a mentor who is where you want to be, they can help you cut down your learning curve and you can get there just a lot faster. From asking the right targeted questions um, to understand the trials and tribulations to their success so you can avoid things granted we all make mistakes especially me i mean <laughs> you guys get it if you knew my friends you'd be like oh like, you know, it's funny we all make mistakes and we all uh, we all have uh, lessons to learn but i have found that i gotta give credit where credit's due and there's a couple of people along the way who have taken me under their wing i'm forever grateful and I, I i loyalty means the world to me i'd kill for those people mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. first and foremost so that's that before i say anything else i gotta part one where credit's doing there's mentors that help me get here um but you know as i shared with you earlier courtney the uh, the journey to get into this point it's so crazy to even think about <laughs> it is crazy 
there's a book in that there's a probably a, it's a better movie i think honestly yeah so so why don't you walk us through some of that tell us a bit yeah, about yeah. That. so i mean screw it. let's just like how you got here can i start from the beginning like we went, i yeah, mean it makes yeah, it a lot I think easier you go for it bro. Yeah. yeah i love that story man i want to hear it again uh, it's good i've never i've never talked about this never talked about this really before but all right we'll do it so, so this is an exclusive yeah this is an exclusive Courtney so atkinson podcast here, well, you're Gross, a real estate guy, amazing. so I'm happy to share it with you. So yeah, I love that. I, you know, like I had told you, I grew up in a really uh, um, abusive and um, drug infested household. The best term you could give to people understand is like a crack house. That's just what it, it's just what it is. You know, you, you sleep on the the dirty ass carpet with cockroaches on your crawling mm. on you and fleas and ticks in your fucking hair. And excuse my language, but it's terrible. You know, tweakers coming in and out all night or whatever. Um, I had I had a couple of siblings, and my mother was a, a a severe severe drug addict, and my father was gone from when I was young, and she was also a stripper, so she was bringing crazy people around all the time, and we lived in the in the hood on food stamps and whatnot, and she was beating beating out of us all the time, and I'm a young kid, I'm so confused, what's going on, you know, always on edge, always paranoid, getting in trouble mm. all the time at school because I. I had no idea what I was, what was even going through my head. Um, yeah. So you know, I was really young, really young and distraught, distraught kid who was always getting in trouble at school and making jokes and making other people laugh because that's where I find uh, peace and solace or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's really tough growing up in that position. And you're getting beaten by your mom and you're not knowing what the hell's going on. But it, it builds character to say the least. <laughs> And uh, for the right guys again. Yeah, I mean, you know what? What I realized is how to adapt, and that becomes the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has become the most beneficial tool that I realized from that hellhole. And I can tell you, hands down, I wouldn't be where I am today had I not gone through those traumatic and terrifying, like traumatic, brutal, horrible experiences that no child should have to endure. Well, that's the reason I'm here. So I can't be anything but grateful for it. You know. It sounds kind of crazy, but it's the truth. So, like, like I had mentioned to you before, you know, I, I had younger siblings, and I was taking care of them by eleven. I have another younger sibling that's born, and by twelve or thirteen, I have my another younger sibling that's born. Um, and my brother, who's closer to me in age, about three years, him and I raised them because obviously our mother's not as incapacitated, so we we're changing their diapers, we're taking them to school, we're making them lunch. If there was lunch to make and or you're fine it's scrounging around so then by 11 12 i start like i've always been a hustler at the core and i've always wanted to make money and get myself out of that environment um so 11 12 i start going around the neighborhood um knocking on doors to mow people's lawns and or do whatever odd job or service i could to get paid and i learned really really quickly that one, I liked the struggle of trying to make someone like you really quick. I liked the burden of, of walking up to someone you do not know and trying to start a conversation. Um, I liked that because I think in part it made me a little paranoid or anxious or uncomfortable. And that's what I had been my entire life. So to me, that was like, oh, this is what I know. Um, adapting. Right. That's what I knew. Adapting. So I was adapting right. to a freaking heroin addict that was trying to beat me all the time. This has got to be pretty easy. It's just like an old lady you're trying to mow her lawn. <laughs> so <laughs> just kidding. So through that, through the door knocking for mowing lawns and whatnot, I met a couple. I'm, well, there was one lady in particular, and she passed away about six years ago. Her name was Olive, and she would. Um, I would sit with her for hours on end, and she, I just sit there because I didn't want to be at home. And she'd feed me and sardines and saltine crackers. And she's eighty years old, and she would uh, just yeah. tell me life stories, and she really helped me feel like comfortable. 
I, I, that was a place where mm. I would go. I wouldn't even just work to get paid, but I would sit there with her for a couple of hours because <laughs> better than being at home. And yeah. uh, and then she and then I started, um, like I had mentioned before, then I took from mowing the lawns to I I wanted to up the price of the service that I was providing so that I could have more consistent payment because mowing people's lawns, a lot of people already have that business, already have that service or third-party vendor. So then I started repainting people's curbside addresses because I saw this on YouTube. I'm just going to say something real quick, man. Like that's, that's a lot for a dude that's like 12 to think of. Come on. Like you're like 11, 12 years old thinking, okay, now I got to like, I got to add another line of service that's going to give me more consistent income <laughs> at a higher level. Like it's pretty high level thinking. I know. I got lucky. I think because I, I was I was reading, I was watching YouTube videos and stuff, and I'm, I've always been so money hungry. And I know people will look bad upon that term, but I've all I've always seen money as an opportunity out. So that you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but sure as hell can get you out of it. Um, so that's kind of what I thought, right? Yeah, so how do I make more money? Like I'm, that's all I'm thinking about all the time as a kid. So then I start the repainting curb, people's curbside addresses. I make I can do three curbs an hour. I'm making 20, 30 bucks a curb. So I'm not making like 50, 60 bucks an hour. Mind you, so I'm still in school, but over summer, I'm making a ton of money in cash. So I'm mm-hmm. now I'm 13, 14. You know, I'm I'm buying my siblings little Caesars and we're eating McDonald's. We <laughs> don't have to worry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm still worrying all the time. But uh and then I um like I told you, I use the money from curbside address painting to buy a commercial grade pressure washer because again i was trying to up the services that i could provide and i get I, this was from a youtube video commercial grade pressure washers can clean a driveway in five ten minutes like that and you can wow. make a lot of money from doing that for someone so the pressure washer mm-hmm. was like 1500 bucks and it was like 200 pounds i'd wheel it down the street or whatnot but i was getting 100 150 <laughs> bucks a, a driveway and i could do it in 30 minutes so then i'm making good money and really good money actually for that time and i'm 14 15 running around the neighborhood hustling business learning how to how to build relationships and um learning just overall business acumen and uh, of providing a service and again i've always thought about how can i up the price of the service that i'm providing and i met this lady that while knocking on her door to repaint her curbside address or pressure washer driver i forgot which one and she said, wow, you're really good at this. You should go do this for real estate. And I'm 15, about to turn 16. Um, I'm like, great. Like, I, Sounds good to me. Let's do it. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she's, I, again, like I told you, I got a head that's bigger than my body sometimes thinking that I got to do the biggest thing because I'm very competitive right. with myself. And like I, always, I want to be the number one for myself. So I think I'm number one, you know, so I want to sell the most expensive. So, yeah. She introduced me to a real estate agent that lived two hours away in the Silicon Valley, and that agent was selling assets between a million and five million. Um, she was one of the top agents in the area, and I would drive. When I turned sixteen, I got my license. On the weekend, during the week, I would work at this uh, ice cream parlor slash restaurant called Leatherby's, and I was like the head grill captain. I loved it because I was really it was really fast paced, and I was cooking yeah. up burgers and killing it during the week. And on the weekend drive down to the Silicon Valley and live in my car from you know, 16, 17, 18. I drive down Saturday morning, two hours away, hold an open house at, let's say, 1 o'clock. But from 10 a.m. until 1, I was door knocking every neighbor in the community to invite them to, op- to the open house. And I wasn't knocking on their door to say, hey, would you sell your house? I was knocking on their door to invite them to a neutral playing field where they can yeah. learn about the market and what's coming available 
people love to see houses and know the value of their own asset. But now I've got them in a space mm-hmm. where they're more comfortable so that I can try to get their contact information, follow up and transact on some business. It's really not that much different than doing someone's fresh wash, someone's driveway or mowing someone's lawn. It's all about client mm-hmm. follow up, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, so 16, 17, I'm holding open houses, unlicensed, getting paid referrals under the table. I hope the IRS can't get me in trouble for that now, but I really don't care. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so I was and now I'm like 16. Again, you know, I'm going back home to freaking trap house and but I'm making the good money almost 100 grand it's or just over 100 grand at 16 and yeah. I did I think five or six deals on referral basis under the table and I was making good cash and uh I again heads bigger than my body and I'm living in my car super lonely struggling like feeling like shit, but knowing that I'm doing what I need to be doing yeah. incredibly alone very painful um and it was it was, t- it was really painful. And then I I um, wanted to go to U- I really wanted to go to USC because I knew that if I got into USC, I could develop relationships at USC to sell real estate in Los Angeles, which is one. There's only the two most expensive places to sell real estate in California are the Silicon Valley and Los Angeles. Right. But I wanted to be in Los Angeles. I had had success in the past in the Silicon Valley. So I had terrible grades in high school. I think I had a two six like that's horrendous and i was always getting kicked out of classes goofing around i had problems you know because going i'm gonna say two six not that not that bad for where you came from yeah it could be worse right so yeah yeah, it could be way worse and but so i i sold all this real estate and i felt like i was like wow i'm 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 doing well like but i don't have good grades i can't go where i want to go and but i knew usc was kind of like that school that it's like well you know they they, most of it's about academics, but some of it's about trying really hard or having an ability that other people don't have. And I knew it was a private school as well, so it's really expensive. But the relationships and the network that you can build through USC are are much more valuable than the degree, at least in my perspective. And yeah. I, I played out, they are more valuable than your degree. <laughs> I can tell you that in the last <laughs> few years. Um, uh, so so I, um, I was like, I want to go there so badly. But I couldn't get in because of grades, so I applied, and then I had everybody that I knew that was well that was established in their business in Silicon Valley, whether it was a client, the broker that I'd work for, work with, whomever it may be. All these guys knew my backstory; they vouched for me, and they wrote some pretty mm-hmm. crazy letters. And then I took twenty letters, paid for twenty different FedEx packages. So that they were all sent differently. I didn't want them to go in one. I wanted them to all go differently. And just, I think I mailed 15, 20 letters to USC admissions office um, from well-rounded, established guys in their field vouching for me and saying, hey, give this kid a shot. His his story is pretty incredible and he deserves it. So then I got down here. I got into USC. I'm stoked. I'm like, holy cow, I'm going to go to USC, be in the top frat, sell hella real estate, never go to class. It's going to be great. Exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> so that I sold real estate at USC, and there's a whole bunch of stories in there. Yeah, I, for yeah, we had a great time. <laughs> we had a great time. It was fun. So that's basically, you know, I had this goal going to USC, and I was able to put myself through there. And I, I, um, I worked with Jade Mills, who's a top broker in LA. At, at, as she still is the number one. She's a top five agent in the nation. Her and she gave me a shot, which I'm really grateful for. Um, she was right after she sold the Playwright Mansion, and she's like, "Hey, you can come in and work for me while you're at USC." 
Um, I'll give you a shot and see what business you can develop. And I was doing like 10, 15, 20 million bucks a year while at USC, having a freaking blast and making, building a bunch right. of relationships. And, and then right. I met the, then like I told you, I met the guy that I work for now, Bob Safai, who is hands down the most important person in my life. And he's, he's taught me more. The, I think in LA, he's probably one of the most, he's probably the most respected, uh, real estate professional here, or at least one of the five as a broker. Um, but, mm-hmm. I respect him the most. I, the things I appreciate the most are what he's taught me about being a man and about life. Mm. So mm-hmm. he's he's given given me a shot, and in the last three years, I think we've uh, transacted on just north just around one hundred and fifty million dollars in residential real estate. And mind you, he's yeah. our, he's done another probably billion dollars in commercial real estate. He's this is just more like he. I think he he cares about me and gave me a shot type thing. Yeah, well, you got a compelling story, and you're a, you're a heck of a guy and a great storyteller, by the way. But more powerfully, navigating what you've been through and getting to university, you know, getting your siblings out of the situation that they were in. Never mind just yourself. And then you you skipped right past the part where you just finished up a sale on Ronda Generous's place. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, crazy. that was crazy. You know what's even crazier about that? This is what this is like a a whole full circle moment, right? So. We worked with that client um, for about a year and a half. Wonderful family, um, and they're so kind to me. And that I, you know, we we obviously represented them to buy Ellen DeGeneres' house for forty-seven million bucks about two years ago. Ellen and Portia do incredible work to the properties they sell. The caliber of this house was unreal, and um, you know they. Ellen and Portia and Kurt Rappaport, I got to say, that's their broker. They're just great people all around. And I really thank them for mm-hmm. helping get that transaction done. And that, that house is extraordinary. <laughs> the funniest part about that whole situation, to me at least, you know, as a kid that comes from like a live growing up in a shack with like cockroaches on my face, now selling one of the sickest houses to transact that year. And during that whole time, like I told you before, I didn't even touch on this in the story. My mom's going to prison for life during the whole transaction. So it's like I'm I'm being pulled in all these directions. How do you stay focused mm. and motivated, right? It's because I freaking love what I do so much. Like I'm so grateful yeah. to get to go from living in a like living in the ghetto on the floor in a complete to sell one of the yeah. sickest houses in the world, but at the same time then your mom's going to jail and you're like, What for the rest of her life yeah. for beating the- you? How do you really feel about it? That's a lot, man. Confusing, huh? Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Erdem Bucistegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow-Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow-Up Boss. We use Follow-Up Boss. So we use Follow-Up Boss. I love Follow-Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, We call them action plans on Follow-Up Boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-Up Boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, Call Action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync. And we switched from Sync to Follow Boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used. I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown and like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used Line Desk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow Boss gives you the most integrations 
that are simple and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform, yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like follow-up box better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list-based, that's fine. If I want to go task-based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user-friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user-friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow-Up Boss. Purely objective, Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Yeah, well, I, I can't imagine how how that must have felt. I mean, on the one hand, you're you're riding some of the biggest highs that a person can ride in our business, and on the other hand, you're riding some of the lows that a person can ride in their entire life, right? Yeah, and uh, that's super challenging stuff. And so, let me ask you this question, brother. So, you know, knowing what you've been through, and thank you so much for for your transparency and your vulnerability. That's a that's that's a story that most people would find very difficult to tell publicly like this. So I just want to take a second and honor you for, for being able to do that. So thank you. Bro. So eloquently with so much detail, but moving forward, man, how do you, how do you find the energy to, to carry on, to keep going, to keep grinding? Because listen, you've got the life that you never dreamed was possible. I have to presume, you know, and there's so much more in front of you. Billions of dollars of real estate transactions are laid out in your future. You know, your mentor has done what you say, 60, 70 billion in his career. Yeah. I have no doubt that you'll go well past 100 billion, 200 billion, 300 billion dollars. You're starting at this ripe young age. You've got all these relationships. You've got the hustle to go door knocking endlessly to build the relationships with people, to get people to believe in you. So how do you keep leveling up? What's your strategy? Um, you know, I would say my strategy to continue to level up is to take care and nurture the clients that I have now um, because I think those are really the people, the people around you are the people that level you up, right? Um, I'm always in a place where I feel like I don't belong. Like I'm the lowest person in this group, you know, but that's the place that you want to be in because you want to surround yourself around five rich men to become six. It's an old adage that everyone knows, right? So how do you keep, continue to level yourself up i think you continue to take care of the relationships that you have at a far mm -hmm. superior level than everybody else in the business that is where they're going to be the ones that take you to the top right it's not mm -hmm. going to be you out at a bar every night talking to everybody at that bar because you're not going to get those type of relationships where this person's so loyal that they make their friends work with you because they're like this is the kid you got to work with him because he'll he's okay. the most fucking honest he's gonna work his, the hardest and he'll get you the best they'll get you the best deal and he works for you know one of the top rogues in the city who lays the hammer right so that that's not that's my level up is going to come from making sure that i go so far above and beyond for the clients that i have now that they continue to send me to their friends and their friends' friends. There's mm -hmm. these circles of guys that are buying $30, $40 million houses 
it's really hard to get in those circles because they don't trust many people. And if you mm-hmm. can get in the circle and you go so far above and beyond and they know that they can trust you, that's where you want to focus a lot, most of your attention because, again, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get one shot to even get in that circle. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how I'm going to continue to level continue to level up i mean dude i want i want to i want it so bad to be the top guy in this city that i don't think it's that like i think i'm so competitive with myself like if i wake up at 5 30 or 6 instead of 5 i get mad at myself you know so i don't know i can't sit still anyway <laughs> how do i yeah. how are you gonna keep you gotta going? be hustling yeah i like it love yeah. it well, yeah and so tell me what that looks like so you, you, the top guy in the city I, I don't know your market most of our viewers know where beverly hills is know where la is but talk to us about that so paint us that picture you know, we want to help you get there. We want to be a part of that journey. We want to circle back in five years when you are that guy. What's that look like? Yeah. So to me, you know, there are a couple of different avenues. A lot of brokers in this city go are on a TV show, whether it's selling Sunset or buying Beverly Hills or whatever that million dollar listing or whatever. That's not my route personally. Um, that's not my route because I hate being behind a camera and I, I do not want to be the famous guy. I would rather be the guy that everyone knows, but no one knows, you know, who does mm. a lot of the business for the really wealthy people who won't work with someone that's behind a camera. Um, mm. who, I want to be the guy that everyone like, yeah, in terms of being the top guy in the city, that's such a hard thing to say, right? Cause maybe there's five, yeah. five top guys in the city, yeah, right? I get it. You know, the yeah. Kurt Rapports, the Drew Fenton's, the Brandon and Rainey's, but they all mm. operate a little differently. And to me being the top guy in the city is the top people buying houses all know you and want to work with you. The person that I, there's a couple in the residential world. If, if, you know, people listen to your podcast, know these people, the Kurt Rapport and the Drew Fenton, those are the top guys in the city. And they're the mm-hmm. top guys in the city because they fly below the radar. They represent right. the most, the most affluent individuals and they continue to get business at that level because they fly so far below the radar. They're so confident and discreet and confidential. That's what like, these, cli- right. these guys want. And that's what mm-hmm. I want. That's that's the guy I want to be because that, that means more. I I hate cameras being behind that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because especially in this day and age, you know, there's so much ego involved, and social media and television and all these things are are about perpetuating that. You know, fleshing that out, celebrating that, and and you're absolutely right. You know, one of the things that's that's most required by by affluent clients is the sense of confidentiality. You know, the listing that's not a listing, you know, just bring the qualified buyer. I don't want a bunch of drama. I don't want a big celebration. I don't want everybody to know. Totally. I just want to get out of this place into my next one. And by the way, the seller of that place better not know who your buyer is. I mean, that's just a different way of being than the average person who wants, you know, 100,000 social media followers and, and a YouTube channel, you know, with a million views. Right. And uh, I think it's cool that as a younger guy, you haven't bought into that. So tell me a bit more about that. How did you become that person uh, in a day and age like this where, listen, I bet you so many of your friends at UFC, yeah. UFC that's what they would want. I mean, more than, more than not, right? It's tough. The, the, my the main re- the only answer I could give you to that is I just hate bullshit. Like I hate, I hate like stuff that's not real. You know, I, I hate the, a facade and the reason I hate mm-hmm. that is I felt like I've worked so hard to create this real life, this real atmosphere, this really selling these houses that when mm-hmm. someone BSs and everybody applauds them, 
this is me being having an ego and I need and that's something I try to work on the most. Like I get like annoyed. I'm like this is, kid didn't even do anything, <laughs> you know. So that's that's me having an ego and that's something that I got to work on. But that's part of the reason I don't fall into that social media stuff because I think it's all kind of. I mean, mm. especially like these followers and these guys. Like, dude, if I had a if I, if you take any of the guys. If I had a hundred thousand followers on Instagram or whatever it may be, how many of those guys are buying houses? Probably none of the hundred thousand. <laughs> so that's yeah. not my guy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. my my guy, the guys that I want to work with aren't on those sites. And it, I'll get a hundred percent. That stuff helps you grow your name one thousand percent. I have a sure. Instagram, and it's all straightforward. It's all the deals that I do. But yeah. I don't think that the really wealthy people that are buying houses north of 20 and 30 million, those guys don't want to deal with someone who's BS or puts up a front or a facade or is basically mm-hmm. an actor more than a real estate professional. These guys yeah. have made a lot of money being very sophisticated and analytical with mm-hmm. other people's money and growing these funds that they don't want someone <laughs> to represent them to buy a $30 million house who's a... Uh, uh, yeah, you know, like who's or who's putting on a facade. So that's not me. 100%. I think that's why these guys like. I think that's why a lot of these guys like me, especially the tech guys, um, mm-hmm. because you know, like I say something that's maybe I shouldn't say sometimes, but there's um, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> no one's beating around the yeah. bush. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegi. Thank you for letting me interrupt for a second. I've got something really, really important to talk about. You know how last year we kept talking about that mastermind? What is the mastermind? What are we talking about with that mastermind? Last May, there were like 60 or 70 people of you listeners that had never met, flew out to Austin, Texas. We all hung out at this awesome event center and we spent a couple days with some great guest speakers talking about skills and strategies to succeed in real estate. And then we had these mastermind tables where everyone rotated, everyone got to meet everybody, everyone got to provide value. Some of the agents there had only done one or two deals ever. Some of the agents there had done hundreds of deals and they all got to interact and help each other build their business and build their strategies. And I've heard so many stories of friendships that came from that, of referrals that have come from that. There were six or seven people at that one that heard me talk about doing an Ironman and we all did an Ironman together in, in North Carolina last month and we had never even met before the podcast live so the it was it's it's been such such a cool experience the i would love it for you guys to come days march 6 through 8 the signups right now go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind we also have a room block set up it's three days downtown austin great really cool hotel really cool uh, convention center that we're going to be hosting it and we're gonna get a chance to i can't wait to meet you guys i can't wait for you to meet other listeners i can't wait for you to develop these new interactions and really what we're teaching yeah last year was like how do you make a business better but the market was just starting to turn and i was trying to give some people some advice of what to do when it when it was happening now it has turned and this time we're going to be talking so much about how to pivot and what to do next so uh, again i hope you signed up for the mastermind sorry for such the long advertisement but i can't wait to meet you ibendigital.com forward slash mastermind No, no, that's, and that's powerful. I mean, they're working with somebody with tremendous energy and tremendous commitment to the best outcome for the client. And, uh, and they sense that in you, I'm sure all those things that you've just said, I have a question that I think our viewers and listeners would, would love to hear about because, you know, you, you're working with some very sophisticated, wealthy people on, 
you know, these properties, 10 plus million dollars with fair degrees of consistency. How are, you, how are you typically finding these people? And I have a follow-up question for that just for you to think through. So the first one is, is how do you find those people? And then the second thing is what are maybe one or two things that you think are unique about servicing those relationships compared to maybe somebody that's buying in the kind of million to $5 million range? Good question. So first and foremost, how, how are you finding those people? You know, there's a, a, again, a saying that my broker always says to me, deals beget deals. You do a deal, you get more deals. If you brand, if you market that deal correctly, you definitely get more deals. So, you know, a lot of it, like I told you, like I was mentioning, it, it comes from the referral aspect from these people. You go mm-hmm. so far above and beyond to take care of them um, that they, they want their friends to work with you because they know that you'll take such good care of them. And when you refer out a friend, you're essentially vouching for the third party that you're referring them to. And at this level, they have to be so timid about where they refer people to. So Mm -hmm. that is why I think it's very important to go so far above and beyond for your clients. You know, the the top agents in this city, um, they probably wouldn't work with some of the buyers that I work with. And the reason that they wouldn't is because they're just trying to close a deal, sell a house. They're trying to make a deal. Mm -hmm. They're not Mm -hmm. trying to necessarily, they're not necessarily willing to go through the 12, 16 month long burn to find the asset that that person loves the most at the best price. They're just trying Mm -hmm. to close a transaction. And because I feel like I operate more on longevity than any, I've been like my mind is all about longevity. So, Mm -hmm. By example, if I have a guy that's looking for a $30 million house, and let's say there's a house listed for $45 million, and it's overpriced. Let's say it's worth probably in the range of 30 Maybe it's worth 32 maybe it's worth 33 but they're asking mm-hmm. 45 for it. I will just, I mean, look, the house, I would tell them straightforward, the house, I, I think the house is worth in the range of 30 If you pay 35 I think you're paying a premium. And I think given where interest rates are going, I'm not certain because I'm not a genie, but given where interest rates are going, and the new ULA, L, ULA tax that's being imposed in LA, which is 5.5% transfer tax north of $10 million. That's $1.7 mm-hmm. million tax on a $30 million house. Between rising interest rates, lack of buyers in the market, and where with that ta- new transfer tax being imposed, I would advise that client to wait a couple mm-hmm. of months that seller should become more reasonable and hopefully capitulate yeah. on their price so that you can get in range of what it's actually worth. Because I don't want right. someone to overpay. And people say pay a premium instead of overpay. No, I don't want him to overpay. And mm-hmm. it's bad for me. It's bad for him. And dude, here's the best way to put it, Courtney. I love these guys. Like when a, a guy worth $5 billion gives a kid like me a shot, I can love that guy. Like right. I mean that. And people are like, oh, how can you love that guy? Dude, I've worked so hard to get to this point that when that guy gives me a shot, I would kill for him. And I would, mm. and if anybody ever tried to cross him, I would like I would drop him. Period. Like I wouldn't be able to help myself because I come from a place where it's like, if anybody crossed my brother, I would do the same thing, right? That's my brother. Right. Like, it, like I, I sadly, I come from a place that. where you fight people, and like I, I won't do that because I'm not allowed to anymore. But yeah. 
if anybody but i think it's that attitude it's that energy it's that confidence it's that enthusiasm it's that belief like all that stuff people are feeling that in thousand percent and i think they I, that's that's i think that's a lot of what it is um so that's mm-hmm. you know you're taking the the i have some trait i can't you know i have traits that i got to work on that were a product of my childhood but some of the sure. chip on the shoulder like if you you know i'm the nicest guy. if you could just be the nicest guy there is until someone crosses you then it's their fault <laughs> so you did nothing wrong, right? So back to what you asked me about these guys. How do you service these guys at this level or even the five to 10 level? I, I really think it's more about like, here's an example. Sometimes I tell people not to buy something even though they're gung-ho on buying it because I just don't think it's right for them to buy it. Whether it's the timing's not right, whether they're overpaying, whether they're jumping into something that I haven't seen enough houses yet. That stuff is real, and I think a lot of people are just out to make the transaction. I'm not out to make the transaction. I'll meet with someone for two years and cold call everybody in that neighborhood until they find the house they love and at the right price. And that's a little bit. It's a little bit easier easier for me to do, or for anybody in a bigger, uh, a higher sale price market, right, yeah. than a lower sale price market because the attention to each client that you give or the time. Um, but yeah. the best way I've found to service these guys is to go so far and above and beyond. Like I told you before, cold calling every owner and people think it's crazy. Like I've broken into $30 million houses before. I'll give you a funny short story. <laughs> so it's really short, but here's an example of why those, how you can service those guys or even the five to $10 million guys. There was a house I knew one of these guys wanted, or I knew he would actually, yeah. I didn't, he never expressed that he wanted it, but I knew he'd want it because I know what he wants. Yeah. 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 So, and it's owned by someone who's huge in the talent uh, business, you know, really tough guy to get in touch with, nearly impossible. The house is probably worth in the range of 50 million. So I kept calling him and FedExing him packages and doing, doing my thing, right? And he wouldn't get back to me and I was pissed. And uh, you next to my cell phone, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I should have called me back, bro. <laughs> and so I, I, I had hit him so many times. I'm surprised he didn't get back to me and just at least tell me to, right? So then I, I go to his, uh, this is funny. I go to his gate and he has a call box and you ring it. And it's a long yeah. private driveway up to this hilltop with explosive views. It's like an amusement park, right? I go up to yeah. the gate and I ring it and they're like, Hello, and I and I just pretend like I couldn't speak English. <laughs> I was like, package, package. And like, just leave it at the gate. I was like, package, package. <laughs> and at this time, I was driving a blacked out Jeep. So they opened the gate. I'm like, no way. <laughs> this is not a good idea. No one's going to do this. Terrible idea. But it was funny. So they, they opened the gate. I'm like, I'm in. What do I do now? And I, I drive up the hill to the motor court. Driving to the motor court. I'm in a blacked out Jeep, not a UPS vehicle. I drive up the hill to the motor court, and the the first the maid come housekeeper comes out, and then she runs back inside and sends out big three ass security guards. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I jump out of the car. I'm like, no, no, I'm 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 just dropping off a package for X Y Z owner. Listen, I sold this house down the road to a very wealthy client of mine. Please, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to do anything wrong. Just trying to satisfy a client's needs and bring him a great offer. That's literally all I said to the guys. And immediately you just saw their head, like I'm smiling. Smiling helps too, you know? If you smile, yeah, yeah. like you're up, people can't really get it. They're not really as threatened by you. So yeah. then they calm down, the security guards calm down a little bit. And they're like, you're crazy for doing that. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> just give, make sure it's you get the package. Man. And then the guy called yeah. me. So that's what I'm saying. Like getting creative. The guy called me. Yeah. He'll sell the house in the range of 50. 
I don't know if my guy is mm-hmm. actually going to buy it, but creating that type of value, going that length. Yeah. That's powerful. Good deal. <laughs> yes. I got I to gotta think for a second that, you know, in space like that, you don't want to talk too many people about that story. I mean, you want to you want to keep that close to your chest. I mean, you hustled to get this information. Now you know the price. You got a, a way to reach the guy. You yeah, I'd be, you know, yeah, that. true. Yeah, 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 right. That's powerful. I mean, you got you got to have hustle to do that. Yeah, totally. That's amazing, man. Cool, cool. So so tell me about uh, 2023. Uh, how's the market been for you through 2022? How do you see it going in 2023? And uh, walk us through what you think the next couple of years look like for you, for your market. Yeah, good question. Um, you know, especially, so this market specifically, West LA, from, from West Hollywood, Beverly Hills to Pacific Palisades, Malibu. Um, you know, what I'm seeing is a lot of, a lot of agents are running around the city. Like everything's roses and dandelions. We're having this struggle where although our demand is decreasing because of the rise in interest rates and Mm -hmm. buyers are becoming more uncertain, they'd rather hold their cash because they anticipate the knife falling even further. Right. With that being said, we're talking about people buying a home for their family and where these guys lay, lay their heads every night is more important than overpaying today than tomorrow. Right. So you're kind of at this, we're at this inflection point where supply quality inventory is incredibly low. Now demand is lowering, but there still are active buyers out in the market. Um, mm-hmm. And given the time of year in combination with the rise in interest rates, it's real. It's pretty slow right now. Now agents want to act like it's every everything's roses and dandelions in terms of values, but we can see them coming down even at the ultra luxury level. You know, people want to say that a, a thirty, you know, this house is worth thirty, and they're never going to sell it for a dollar less. And well, you know, look, they may be more, they may be more well capitalized than the majority of the world, but there are still those people that will need to sell given the timing of their life. By example, mm. this is this is the best one I could have. You know, I pro- I'll say this: this will help other real estate agents, in the, especially in this market or New York market. I cold call everyone. I talk to everyone uh, from yeah. owning a ten to fifty million dollar house. I talk to all these people, and the consensus is the husbands want to sell because the market. They think the market is at its peak as well, yeah. but they don't want to get a divorce. So they would rather sell a year from now or two years from now when their kid finally graduates or it's more convenient for their family. They'd rather take the $3 million less a year from now than today because it's not worth the Mm. burden. Look, these guys are making 10, 15, 20 million bucks a year. So they they would rather just sell the convenience sake itself, right? So what I'm seeing is there's transactions are lessening for sure. Volume Sales volume is down heavily. Prices aren't mm. capitu- sellers aren't capitulating on their price yet, but as a mm. result of rising interest rates and um, new new ULA tax that's going to be imposed this year, they, they mm. got to become more reasonable. And I think we will see a lot more quality inventory come start mid next year. Yeah, cool. And one of the things that I love about your story, man, and what I've been preaching to the folks that I coach and speak to my team is in times like this, it's not some brand new strategy, some new rabbit that we all ought to be chasing. It's going deeper on these things that have historically worked, but we haven't had to do so much of them. Yeah. Like door knocking, like cold calling, relationship building, just going deeper on these fundamental things that you've built your business on and continue to do today to to win in, a, in an extraordinary market. And I got to think that 
through these next couple of years. Those are going to be the things that will pay massive dividends for a guy like you compared to somebody else who's kind of just waiting for their phone to ring, has gotten a little bit lazy, had a great couple of years here, and is now kind of on their heels hoping that everything is roses because they don't have a plan, and you clearly do. That's incredible. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Listen, man, you're an inspiration to, to me, uh, and I'm certain to so many others, you know, to young men that are considering real estate, young men that are in real estate and wanting to do more and be more. I wonder if it would be okay if somebody really resonated with you for them to reach out to you. What would be the best way for somebody to catch up with you, ask you some questions or connect with you after the podcast, after the video comes out? Yeah, probably just a DMing me on Instagram or something. My Instagram is brianlane.re, B-R-I-A-N-L-A-N-E.re. And if you just DM me, i probably answer a couple of your questions. Yeah. That's probably the best way to do it. Okay, 100%, man. I appreciate that. Brian, there's so much more that we could talk about, but I know time's short for you. you got a busy day ahead of you. I want to say thank you. I want to really just tell you how great it's been getting to know you and uh, for sharing your story in such detail. Thank you. Thank so you so much, much Corey. All of us here. Yeah, yeah we're Rockstars appreciates you, man. Dude, everyone appreciates Real Estate Rockstars. You guys, you guys do a great job of uh, helping guys like us maneuver through the business. It goes back to what I was saying about cutting down someone's learning curve to help them get there. Yeah, yeah. You guys are the kings of that. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, Courtney. All right. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there so go give us a review also be sure to go to hybendigital.com if you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you so go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.